0: So I'm going to just go all out this morning and say, I think potlucks might be the holiest thing we do together as church. Now, praying and singing, that's pretty important. Preaching, well, preaching's hard to top, (laughs) but potlucks are a thing of beauty. Potlucks are all that is right with the world, all that is holy in our world. Now, I know what you're thinking. Of course, the chubby preacher likes potlucks. (laughs) And yeah, I come by it honestly. I grew up in the South after all, otherwise known as potluck heaven. Fried chicken and mashed potatoes. 15 different casserole dishes, four different kinds of lasagna, a plate of peanut butter and jelly, and pimento cheese sandwiches all mixed together. A bowl of green jello salad always, deviled eggs, and enough cakes, pies, and cookies to send us all immediately into diabetic shock. I grew up in a potluck. By the time you made it through the line, it was hard to tell where the green beans ended and the pasta began. Rolls were piled like Jenga pieces on top of the food pile. It was sacrilege, nay, sin if you went through that line and there was an exposed part of the plate. Every bit of the plate must be covered with a cacophony of meats, salads, and side dishes. Now, my grandmother who always brought the finest blackberry cobbler to the potlucks, had two bits of advice for me as a young, budding preacher. Every time I see her, she'd tell me, preach the word and eat the bird. (laughs) The word being the true gospel and the bird being that staple of southern preachers, the cause of expanding waistlines, the chicken, usually fried. To her, a church was only as good as its potlucks. Yes, I come by my love of potlucks honestly. When the worship committee asked Marty and I what kind of meal we wanted for our installation service last year, a potluck, we said. Yes, yes, the chubby, southern, born and raised preacher likes church potlucks. No surprise there. But, but, potlucks are biblical now you didn't know this, but they are. I'm not making this up today. When the Hebrew prophets imagine the future kingdom of God, the beloved community where all will be made right, where pain and hunger and injustice will all be gone, the prophets imagine great feasts. We began our worship with a call to worship taken from Isaiah 55. There the prophet says those famous words, Everyone who thirsts, come To the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. The coming kingdom of God, a banquet where no matter how much money you have, no matter if you brought anything to share, you will come and you will be fed and you will leave full. Earlier in the book of Isaiah, chapter 22, there's another vision where the prophet sees the mountain of the Lord. The end day where the prophet envisions that day when all the peoples of the world will gather together. The dividing lines of language, nation, and religion will be no more. On this mountain, the prophet says, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well matured wines, of rich food with marrow, of well matured wines strained clear. In other words, the Lord is going to solve all the problems of the world by inviting the whole world to one big holy potluck. And now we have the text Margot read this morning from Zechariah, and I'll be honest with you, I forgot Zechariah was in the Bible. I've never preached from it before, and I've never really noticed these words before. After all, the book is filled with all kinds of doom and gloom, vengeance and violence. It's not feel-good church preacher material. Yet even in a book like Zechariah, the culmination of his entire prophecy is a holy potluck. Did you hear what was read right at the very end of this book? The last verses, the prophet of God envisions a hopeful future glory of God's kingdom. And I love the picture that is painted. On that day, the rivalries of all the nations will end and everyone will be invited to a feast. The feast will be in Jerusalem at the temple, the holiest place in all of Israel. This will be the staging ground for this feast. The altar, which had previously been reserved for the holiest of rituals for their worship, will become the serving table. And every ordinary cooking pot in Israel, no matter if it holds savory meats or pistachio pudding or deviled eggs or pecan pie, every cooking pot, bowl, plate, and dish will be sacred, holy to the Lord, the prophet says, as holy as the sacred objects on the altar. Oh, and there's this strange thing, too, about all the horses wearing signs that say, holy is the Lord. And they're going to have bells, too, so maybe you should give that a try, Doc Ron, a horse wearing a sign that says, holy is the Lord. The prophet envisions this complete reversal of holy and ordinary the holy objects of the temple altar will be used to serve the meal, and the ordinary dishes from the potluck tables will become the sacred vessels of God. Now, many of you were brought up, like I was, to believe that there is a huge wall between the sanctuary and the fellowship hall in the church. The holy wall, we'll call it, which keeps all the holy stuff in here and all the secular stuff out there. In fact, you may find it hard to believe, but there are some Christians that I've met around probably North Alabama or so will drive right past their churches in a few days who believe that it was a sin to have a fellowship hall in a church building. Now they still had fellowship halls, but they built them on adjacent properties with an open breezeway to connect them so as not to mix the two. But I tell you, Even with their weird theology, those churches had some of the best potlucks you can imagine. What is holy about our life as disciples together? Is it the singing and the praying, the passing of fancy brass plates with individually portioned cups of grape juice? Is it the organ or is it the piano? What about a guitar or a ukulele? Maybe some colorful handbells. Are those holy, too? Is it a holy moment when we gather Tuesday nights for craft time, young and old, and learn how to paint together? Or when seniors show up in our fellowship hall twice a week to exercise? Is it holy when our parking lot is the staging ground for a soapbox derby or our lawn where people watch the Fourth of July parade? Don't talk during worship, they say. It's holy time. Take your crying babies out. It's it's holy time. Should we leave our coffee and snacks out there, never bringing them in here because this place is holy? That's what sanctuary means, after all. Holy place. But isn't coffee fellowship also a holy place? The windows out there may not be stained glass, but the light that shines through the fellowship hall on a Sunday morning is heavenly. Wednesday night, some of our youth group actually slept right here in the sanctuary. We had a lock-in, and they made their beds here, finding rest in a holy place. Where do we draw the line between holy and ordinary? Which table is the most sacred, the communion table or the potluck table? Which dishes are the most holy? Translate our text this morning into our day and time, and the prophet might say to us, On that day, on that day, we'll all wear signs that say holy to the Lord. And those dishes out there on those tables will become holy communion. And holy communion in here will become the potluck meal. The line between sacred and secular, holy and ordinary will be no more for all that God created will be holy. I'm going to go all in this morning and just say, I think potlucks might be the most holiest thing we do as church. Amen? Amen. Because here at potluck tables, dishes as diverse as the nations of the world are brought together to form one meal. Cooking abilities or no cooking abilities, prepared or purchased from a box or an old family recipe, all of it comes together into one great banquet. If you didn't bring any food, maybe you forgot, maybe you couldn't, maybe you just didn't want to, that's okay. No one is turned away. The table is filled to overflowing and there will always, always be leftovers, were one of us were were one of us to attempt to feed this entire group, it'd probably break our backs and our banks. But together, we all do a little, and together we feed everyone. Around those tables, people as diverse as the dishes brought to share a meal together gather. They talk about ordinary things, the weather, the crops, politics, TV shows, sports, babies, ordinary things, yet the sharing of these stories become holy moments breaking out all over the place. People who are lonely connect with new friends, old friends are reminded once again that they need one another. Conversation and food filled stomachs and filled hearts. What could be more holy? we do a lot of weird things as disciples together. But potlucks, yeah, they're probably the weirdest. And that's why they're my favorite. In a moment, we'll offer a benediction, leave this room, and go into the fellowship hall. If we all stay, we may need to have to overflow the fellowship hall into here with extra tables. But church will not be over with the benediction. Our worship will continue as meat is cut, blessed, and served, as drinks are poured and probably spilt, as desserts are skipped or indulged, as the casserole is blessed and dished to all at the table, this too will be worship. And it is a holy moment where ordinary food from ordinary people give life to us all, where bread is blessed and broken. Stomachs are filled, spirits are lifted, and none are turned away because all are always welcome at the holy potluck of God. Amen. Amen. Let us sing of that welcoming table. Number 424, we'll sing verses 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to eat at the welcome. I'm sorry, I'm gonna eat at the welcome table.